Advantage is the premier provider of non-traditional work, advocacy, and resources while pushing the boundaries of athletic training. Follow them on social media at The Advantage and join their email list for an even deeper dive into all things non-traditional and access to even more boundary-pushing content. Hey everyone, welcome back to Reframe the Game. Today we have a special treat for you. We have a member of the Reframe the Game community, a kick-ass athletic trainer, and generally just a great person as our guest on the show today. Today we have Dr. Shannon Hamilton here with us, and I am really excited to hear your story. Shannon, you and I have known each other for quite some time, almost 10 years now, nine, 10 years, I think. And that still blows my mind to think that uh, it was it was that long ago when we first met. But we've gotten to know each other over the last decade or so. And uh, I've, I've had the pleasure and the opportunity to watch your journey and watch you grow. And I felt like your message and your story is something that uh, many athletic trainers could benefit from, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast uh, to talk about yourself and talk about your story and talk about what matters to you and how you approach the profession of athletic training. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so the first question that I have for you, I mean, we, we obviously know each other, but uh, could you share a little bit about your athletic training journey? You know, where you started, how'd you get to where you got to today? Uh, Just could you, could you share that? So the audience can, can get to know you a little better. Absolutely. Um, So again, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be part of this podcast and part of the Reframe the Game community in general. Um, So kind of to give a background of my athletic training journey, I began my journey at Indiana State University when athletic training was still a bachelor's level degree. So I completed my bachelor's of athletic training at Indiana State. Um, And then after that, I During about my junior year or so, I started to explore different options for grad school. And when I first started my college journey, I did not even know all of the potential that existed in the world of of athletic training. And since I started, it's even changed so much, so much in that short time frame. Um, So I, when I first started college, I did not even know that there was opportunities for graduate school in athletic training. I did not know the world of grad school opportunities and how um, this field, how far it can go into this field. So this, um, these opportunities started to present themselves, I would say around my junior year of undergrad. And that's when I started to say like, oh, I think I want to continue my educational journey. Um, And I started to explore different options there. So for my grad school, I ended up doing a two-year program, um, an online degree through University of North Georgia, and it was in kinesiology and exercise science. And at that point of time, I was working as a graduate assistant athletic trainer through a rehabilitation center in South Georgia, where I was uh, employed full-time as a grad assistant, I guess not full-time then technically, um, through one of the high schools in the area, which I thought was a really great kind of middle of my um, educational uh, journey. It was a good like stepping stone for me. I was, um, it was a good time for me to be out on my own, away from home, and then get the experience as an autonomous athletic trainer. Um, But I still wasn't quite sure if I was done with my educational career then. And around this time, when I first 
started my grad school journey is when the ISU Doctorate of Athletic Training Program was starting to develop. And I started to see their first and second cohorts, just um, their social media feeds and all of the cool things they were doing, all of the opportunities that they were um, providing for students. And I said, I said to myself when I moved to Georgia, I am never going back to Indiana. I was like, I'm never going back to Indiana. I'm never going back to the cold weather. I'm never going back to the winter. Not happening. Um, Spoiler alert, that was a lie. So long story short is that I ended up applying to the Doctorate of Athletic Training Program through Indiana State when I was finishing up my grad school in Georgia. I ended up being accepted into the program and offered a graduate assistant opportunity through ISU football, which I ended up accepting the offer. And so (laughs) once I said I was not moving back to Indiana, I found myself moving back to Terre Haute, Indiana. (laughs) And that during that two years, I completed the doctorate program at ISU. It totally changed my mindset on athletic training and honestly, in life in general. Um, And ever since then, once I graduated in 2019, I have still found myself in Terre Haute, Indiana, and I'm now currently the head athletic trainer at a small NAIA school in town, but I have really loved it. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be at this point in my life, and I feel like it all has worked out for me how it was supposed to. Well, that's great, Shannon. Thank you so much for for sharing a little bit about your journey. And I can remember it was uh, right before you were getting ready to graduate from the DAT, you and I had a conversation in our office. uh, We had, uh, so, but the kind of the precursor to what Reframe the Game is today was something called the DAT Mastermind. Uh, And and we we were talking, Shannon, you and I were talking and you were really unclear about what you wanted to do with your future. You know, we, we, I, I still remember this day, we were sitting here talking and you're like, well, I don't know if I want to move to Indianapolis or I want to move somewhere else, or I want to move somewhere else, or I want to stay right here in Terre Haute, Indiana, right? The one place, not maybe not the one place, but at least the one state you were like, I never want to come back to. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so we were, we were sitting here talking and we had just finished uh, having a conversation about joy. And that message seemed to really resonate with you. And, uh, we had the question, uh, you know, I, I left you with the question of, well, what, what do you think, how are you going to find your joy? Where is, where, what's going to bring you the most joy? Not what people think you should do, not what people, um, expect you to do, not what you thought you wanted to do two, three, four, five, ten 10 years ago, but what's going to bring you joy now? And I remember you kind of taking a hold of that and choosing joy for yourself and uh, choosing joy in your own expectations of what you wanted and where you wanted your life to go at that point in time. And it seems to work out, it seems to have worked out so far for you. And uh, one thing that I've really loved watching you develop over the last several years is your sense of joy and how you bring joy into every moment and how you've really dived into the concept of joy uh, and and really studied it and and worked to bring it to yourself, to other people uh, around you and and really just grow and cultivate that. So I was wondering, could you tell our audience kind of what your perspectives on joy is and, and, and also how it relates to athletic training? 
Yeah, for sure. So I remember that conversation in the DAT office so vividly too. And I just remember you saying like, what are the things that you value the most and you need to find your future in those things that you value? And it it sounds so simple, but it really was so powerful. Um, and it, that's kind of how I continue to operate now. Um, and pretty much ever since then, since my second year in the DAT program, I know during the DAT mastermind, we had one week of assignments that um, really first started to open my eyes to the topic of joy. And that's where we had to kind of create a joy trigger for ourselves. So I know we always have like triggers in life. And for the most part, a lot of times we think of these triggers being like negative. Um, But Dr. Games at this point was trying to challenge us to find like a joy trigger. So every time we walked through like a door frame, you think of the phrase, bring the joy. Or every time you opened up your planner, that's where I put, I put a post-it note in my planner that said, bring the joy. So it was like a positive trigger reminder to like switch your mindset and bring the joy in that moment. Um, so for me, that was just the spark of all of it. And then again, it sounds so simple. It sounds like such an easy thing, but it really is such a powerful tool. Um, so I just thought like, okay, there's always going to be things to complain about. There's always going to be bad things that happen in life. We're always, there's always going to be shitty coworkers or crappy workplace environments. There's always going to be all this negative stuff, but there's also always light or always joy, or there's always something that you can switch and be grateful for or be joyful about. So I kind of just chose the path of joy from there. And I've been trying to actively live it out since then. And again, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen in my life or I don't have things that I want to complain about. Sometimes I just choose to actively take the path of joy and finding those things that bring me light rather than darkness in my life. Um, And then I kind of just try to embody that in my own work, in my own practice, whether that's with athletic training or my own life. And uh, I read somewhere in my joy research journey about how contagious that joy is. And I just find that to be really true. If you create that environment within yourself, I try to create that environment within the athletic training facility that I work in. And I just find it to be such a contagious, powerful emotion. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of where my journey is. Um, And then I just kind of continue that through all aspects of my life, whether it's uh, with my family at home or with the patients that I work with or with the DAT students that I'm currently mentoring, just choosing to find the positive, choosing to be grateful for those things that do bring you joy rather than to draw your energy toward the negative things. Mm. I think that's, that's so, that's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Now, one question that I have for you is, you know, you mentioned that you're a, you're trying, you try to create a, an energy of joy in your athletic training facility. Um, is there anything specific that you do or does it start with you or is there X, are you creating external triggers for the patients that you're working with? Or how do you approach that? If you're trying to propagate joy, uh, to those in your space? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for the most part, just starting with myself, uh, I think that generally the patient population that I work with knows that I'm a pretty busy person. I think all of us are. Um, So they know it's kind of always crazy times in my life, but I still put on the face of joy because that's what I really feel. It's not like it's a fake emotion. It's not like I'm just 
pretending to be happy all the time. I'm just, I'm choosing to be joyful because that's how I feel. Um, and I just look at it as each day is a new gift. I'm grateful to first of all, wake up in the morning and be able to take a breath and move my body and be able to work with patients. Um, so just by embodying that demeanor in myself is where I start. Um, but then also just by genuinely listening to the people that I work with, I think it kind of creates that comfortable environment. Um, and just doing other simple things. Like I have coloring books in the athletic training facility. Um, there's always stools. People are always welcome. Um, whether it's just to stop by and say hi, whether it's a treatment for an injury or an illness or a rehab session, or if they just really feel safe and comfortable in here and want to just have a joyful moment in their day. I think that I've kind of fostered that environment within the facility that everybody is welcome. It's a safe space for all. And this is a space where you should feel like you're able to come decompress and find a moment of joy in your life. Um, also little things like I have a dry erase board that I'll put like a positive quote on from time to time, whether that's um, just a quote from a movie or something that I've read or a lesson that I've learned from a yoga class or from one of, one of my yoga instructors, um, just kind of to spark the environment and get the patients or even coaches or co-workers when they walk through like, oh, I want to shift my thoughts to that positive quote or whatever it is. Sometimes it's a question. Sometimes it's what are you grateful for today? Just to get their minds thinking and turning in different ways. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I'm there, there may be listeners right now who are listening to what you're saying and they're like, well, that sounds great, Shannon. Sounds, that sounds like you're fair. running a preschool is what they're, right. they're thinking. Yeah. Maybe. Like, yeah. Like that. <laughs> but how am I like, how am I supposed to do this when I have, when I'm one athletic trainer and I have multiple hundreds of patients or I have a hundred patients that, that uh, come in and out of the facility on a regular basis. And, you know, you mentioned you've created a space, right? When, when you create that space, are you, are you, I, I guess like, what's the, what's the energy level that's required. Let's say someone just mm. what like you've created a safe space and someone just wants to come and feel safe. They don't need anything. They don't really need to talk to you. They want to, they want to sit over there and engage in some mindful coloring. D does that, does that take away from your ability to provide quality patient care? No, not at all. I think if anything, it enhances it. I think it shows the other patients that there are people that just really come in here for that safe environment. And I think that, and this is just personal opinion, but I think that it makes everybody feel more comfortable that like, this is a place that people want to be in. Um, I, I, another thing that I read when I was doing some joy research, when I was preparing to lead the session for the reframe, the game community is that the type of environments that we're creating also have an impact on how we feel. So they talked about how like hospitals and schools are all structured the same and they're not, they're not generally very colorful. They're not, they're all like cookie cutter type buildings or cookie cutter rooms. They're all the same. Um, and they, I forget where it was. It was in a different country, but they showed like buildings that were just super colorful. The floors were and ceilings were like flip flopped. And it was just like 
a different perspective, a different way of looking at things. So I try to kind of embody that in my facility and make it more of a colorful, welcoming place rather than just like a traditional doctor's office cookie cookie cutter building, because I think that it has an impact on how people perceive the building and how um, it makes them feel comfortable rather than it makes them feel stressed out or nervous, like they're going to any old healthcare provider's office. And I think that those are little things that we as healthcare providers have the power to do without totally shifting the image of healthcare, but also creating these more comfortable, welcoming environments. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so powerful uh, for everyone to kind of realize is that it doesn't it doesn't require some sort of titanic effort to you know blow out all the blow out all the walls in your building. It's just about small tweaks that are, you know, that are, that are one degree different and kind of working on that and building that over time and, and experimenting and seeing what works and what doesn't work and, you know, really try to take the pressure off of yourself to get it right the first time. Um, and, and also just, again, so everyone knows like Shannon is uh, an athletic trainer and all she, she works at a college, a college setting and she's by herself. Right. She built this when she was by herself. Fortunately, she's been able to get some help over time with some graduate assistance. Um, but by and large, uh, uh, for a segment of the year, you're you are on your own, absolutely uh, r- running. Uh, how many sports does St. Mary's have now? I think that there's 16. I think that there's probably close to 300 student athletes right now. Yeah. So so 300 student athletes and still able to integrate some of these small changes to really create a welcoming space, a safe place, uh, a safe space, a place where, where student athletes can cultivate their own sense of joy. And it all starts with ourselves. So I, I really thank you for, for sharing that with us. Now, one of the other things that when you shared uh, your conversation of joy with the Reframe the Game community, you talked about this concept of stealing joy and stealing mm-hmm. other people's joy. Could you elaborate on that and, and maybe share what that means? Yeah, definitely. And this is something that I find myself guilty of all the time. And I catch myself like, oh my gosh, Shannon, you're stealing somebody's joy. Um, But this topic kind of first came into my brain. One of my yoga teachers shared a story about um, in the winter, she has a, a young son who's about two or three years old. And there was a snowfall here in Indiana, which in the Midwest, it's pretty common that we have snowy winters. Um, But this was this past winter. And I think there was maybe an inch or two of snow, which is not typically a very large amount of snow for us in Indiana. Um, But my yoga teacher and her son were out playing in the snow. And he, the little boy said, oh my gosh, mom, like, look, so much snow, so much snow. And she found herself saying like, well, actually it's not really that much snow. Like there's potential to get a whole lot more than this. We can see up to one or two feet of snow. And she caught herself in that moment. And she's like, to my two-year-old son, this is probably an insane amount of snow. Like it is probably the coolest thing in his life. And here I am trying to like explain to him that this is not actually that much snow and essentially stealing his joy. And that is just a very simple comparison or simple analogy for the topic of stealing joy. Because then she expanded upon that to question like how are we stealing joy from either ourselves or others on a day-to-day basis whether it's stealing joy from ourselves by wasting our time or by maybe saying yes to something that we didn't want to spend our time doing 
stealing our own joy when we could have been using our time to do something that we actually do want to do or have to do. Um, stealing joy from others. I, and this is something that I find myself guilty of all the time. Um, and even I know one time when Kent and I were having a conversation, I caught myself doing it too. Um, this could be something like if you have friends who are talking about getting married or having children, and that might not be what brings myself joy in my life. So I'm talking about asking like, are they really happy in their relationship or should they really get married or have kids? And that's me stealing their joy. Cause what do I know if that brings them happiness or joy? And maybe it does. And that's great for them. So why should I be the person to steal that moment of joy from them if that's what's bringing them happiness? And I just think that this concept can be applied in so many different ways, both in athletic training and in our personal lives. And it can just be something that we catch ourselves doing all the time. Another example is that one of my um, former athletic training students who was with me loves working football. Um, That does not bring me joy anymore. So she'll tell me stories about how excited she is to be at football practice and work with a patient population of football players. And I, I catch myself like, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. Or, oh my gosh, I would never want to do that. But that's me stealing her joy. Just because it doesn't bring me joy doesn't mean that that's what fulfills her happiness and her uh, goals for the future and the things that do bring her joy. So just little things like that. And I think if we as humans kind of caught ourselves more often, we can be just more supportive of others in general. And it's okay. We can say, hey, that's not what brings me happiness, but I accept that. And that's awesome that that's what makes you happy and brings you joy. Uh, Yeah, I think I think that is so uh, that, that last example that you gave about stealing joy. I mean, if you're an athletic trainer that has ever you you work in X setting and you look at any other and you're really happy in that setting and you look at any other setting, you're like, I would never want to do that. Like the idea of working in Y setting or Z setting or you know, you know, working with football or working with basketball or whatever, working in an indoor sport or an outdoor sport or working in physician practice, whatever it may be, like raise your hand. If you have, if you have actively said, Oh God, I would never want to do that. Why would anyone put themselves through that? And, you know, if, if we could see everyone, I'm going to imagine that most people here are raising their hands because, yeah, I think oftentimes we try to apply our judgments and our experiences on the, the on the experiences of others, and in that, uh, you know, we 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 are using our filter of what brings us joy and trying to apply that to other people's lives, and that's that creates so much tension and so much um, animosity sometimes between people because it's it's kind of just this it's this cycle where if, you know, I unintentionally steal your joy by saying, God, why would you want to do that? Why would anyone want to do that? Right. You're you're signaling to someone who could be your friend, a really close friend, a a, a partner, someone who you would consider uh, aligned with you in, in many ways. And, and what you're signaling to them is your joy and your happiness doesn't matter. Right. And I think, I think that is, it's kind of sad, but it's something that we all do. And, um, I, I, I loved how you, 
how you said, you know, we have to kind of just make ourselves, we have to raise our awareness of that, or, or maybe create other triggers uh, to, to remind ourselves like, Hey, I'm going down this rabbit hole of negativity and I'm not, not even negativity. I'm just stealing someone else's joy, um, in, in this moment. And how can I, how can I reverse that? Yeah. And the, I mean, the best way that I've found is just to celebrate their joy with them. Say like, Hey, that's awesome for you. I'm so glad that working football or whatever, or getting married or having children brings you joy in your life. That's awesome. And as simple as that, and you don't need to make a huge deal about it, but just a small celebration show that you care about the things that bring them joy as well. And that's okay. Yeah. Leave it there. Right. And I I think that sometimes when you think about this, or when we talk about this, stealing joy can also come in the form of gossiping about other people, right? Like, you know, we may be listening to this and say, well, I didn't say it to this person who loves going doing football. I said it to this other group of people who have similar, who I don't know what, what brings them joy, but I'm just going to tell them that I can't believe that this person is doing this job. Right. But in, in doing that again, it, it's still harmful, right? It's it's still stealing joy, and although it it it's not, you know, you're not being upfront and and stealing someone's joy out in the open. You're stealing now, now, now. Not only you're stealing someone else's joy, but you're also stealing all of those other people who you are commiserating with or you're gossiping with. You may not be gossiping about them, but you're gossiping with them, and in that gossip, you're potentially stealing their joy as well because you don't. How many times have we asked those people around us, what brings you joy? How many times have you asked yourself that question, yet alone ask, ask other people around you that question? Um, and, and that's and try- kind of sad that we more so are asking people like, oh, like what's wrong today? Other than mm-hmm. like, what's bringing you joy today? If we could right. just shift all, all the humans in the world to start asking what's bringing them joy or what's bringing them light rather than like what's wrong today. (laughs) Right. But I think as athletic trainers, we have a tendency because oftentimes we believe people come to see us because something is wrong. Right. And you've kind of flipped that model on its head. You're creating a space for people to come and feel safe, not to come because something's wrong. So, so people are coming because they want to feel safe, not because something is wrong. And mm-hmm. so that, I think that allows you to have the conversation of what's bringing you joy today, right? When so oftentimes our athletic training facilities or hospital systems, insert healthcare facility, whatever one you'd like, it, it kind of works on the assumption that there is something wrong. And so our questioning, our mindset, our approach is something's wrong. They're here to see us for us to make it better or, or hopefully we can make it better. Right. Right. And if we don't make it better, then it's our fault that they're not better. But, but if you can create an environment that's focused on safety and joy, now you've expanded the services you can provide and, and you've, you've changed the, the, the entire attitude and the entire environment of the healthcare space of the of the healthcare facility into into a place of safety not a place of and into a place of safety and abundance and joy not of a place of fear scarcity and and worry which it's is kind of crazy that you're saying this because it's things that I don't even really I guess realize that I'm doing 
Um, but the, the number of patients that I work with that come in and sit, tell me things like, Oh, like they always say trainers, they'll say my trainers in high school, like automatically, if I came into the athletic training room, that meant that I couldn't practice or automatically, if I, I came into the athletic training room, like it meant that I was out for this period of time. And so I think when student athletes first start coming here, they have to kind of fight that stigma of what they experienced in the past. And then the culture that I have created here is so different that it really has been created into this safe space that creates that trusting environment among the patients and the clinician. Um, And it does, it makes them want to come in and tell me the things that are going wrong and also the things that are going right. But I think that it shifts the culture of athletic training too which I, this is just kind of a reflection that I'm having right here, but it's not something that I really thought about before, but it does, it, it helps to prevent future problems from occurring. And there may be their specific sport or in their life, just by based on the culture that I'm creating in the athletic training, the healthcare facility. Um, and I think in turn, it is helping prevent future injuries from happening on the field or prevent uh, conflict amongst themselves and their coaching staff or their teammates, um, just by giving them this opportunity and this space to feel safe and to celebrate those small wins in their lives as well. So thanks for kind of bringing that full circle for me. Hey, that's what we do here. That's what we do here. <laughs> I, 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 I'm loving this conversation. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about some some of the different ways you've cultivated joy in your life and specifically cultivating joy through yoga. Um, so you've mentioned yoga several times, um, and I've seen your, I've seen your Instagram posts and other, and, and other posts from social, uh, from St. Mary's and other, other universities and high schools here in town, um, of you doing some awesome yoga with student athletes and patients. Uh, so could you tell me a little bit about, um, your yoga journey and, and also kind of tie that into with, with your personal joy and kind of how that's progressed and how you've really been able to leverage something that brings you joy and generates joy for you into your daily practice as an athletic trainer through yoga. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, long story short, I'm pretty obsessed with yoga now. Uh, I'm kind of known as the yoga lady, But my love for yoga kind of happened accidentally, which I think is kind of a funny story. Um, And just the way that it took off and I created all of these opportunities for me in my career and my personal life is just kind of amazing to reflect on as well. Um, But I'll kind of give a brief rundown as concise as I can. When I was enrolled in the uh, DAT program at Indiana State, in our first fall semester, so my first year as a grad assistant was working with football, we had to do an assignment that was an implementation plan. So we had to implement with our patient population a complementary integrative health technique. Um, So for those of you who may not be familiar with complementary integrative health or CIH, that's basically anything that is not traditional Western medicine. Um, So really basically anything that's not actually giving pills to somebody. Um, But I think a lot of us think that it has to be like this out there concept. There are a lot of things that can fit into uh, the category of CIH, but it does not have to be anything 
crazy, like doing a spiritual journey in the woods or, or whatever that I like, it could be as simple as using Graston tools or using cup, cupping instruments. Um, but it could go into things like breath work, meditation, yoga, sound bowls, essential oils, um, CBD. There's, there's just so many things, but it, it's not that like way far out there concept that some of us may think um, it can be, it can be, but a lot of times it's not. So anyway, I decided that I wanted to use yoga as my CIH um, technique to implement with my patient population for this assignment. And I was going to use it on two patients who suffered high ankle sprains. Um, so before this, I had taken a couple of yoga classes on my own. Like when I was in Georgia, I went to the YMCA. I had taken a couple of classes. I by no means was an avid yogi. I actually, actually at this point of my career thought that yoga was like boring and was not an intense enough workout for me. Like wasn't getting me sweaty. It wasn't, it was not for me. Um, I was wrong, but anyway, I still decided, I was like, I think it could be beneficial for these patients that I'm working with. I was going to do some yoga sessions really geared towards like balance and ankle strength and stability. And then I was going to use range of motion measures and also um, disability in the physically active scale to, deter to administer to the patients I was working with and to see if it was making an impact on their care and on their injury. So I used it with these two players for a few weeks and I would just do a little yoga session with them in the athletic training facility at ISU a couple times a week. Um, and they ended up really enjoying it. And then other patients that saw us doing yoga sessions in the athletic training facility were like, Hey, I think we want to do that. Like that kind of looks fun. It kind of looks beneficial. Um, so during that time I started offering weekly yoga sessions for the patient population that, that I was working with at ISU, which was the football team, uh, primarily. And we started having just optional yoga sessions. And at this point I would have not been trained in any yoga. I was hardly practicing yoga myself. I was just kind of self-teaching based on like YouTube videos Googling different poses that would be beneficial for different body areas. I was kind of just making it up as I go, to be honest. <laughs> I really was, but it sparked this huge movement. It even ended up being like the football team used like a scheduling app. It even ended up being included on like their Friday app, like optional yoga with Shannon in the basement football offices. Um, and then from there, some of my other classmates who were also grad assistants at the time were asking me if I would lead sessions with their team. So I ended up um, doing a few sessions like with the ISU softball team and some of the golf team. Um, and at that point, I became I started to become more interested myself because I was like, I can't just keep making this stuff up. I have to I have to be able to practice what I'm preaching too. So I kind of found my own yoga journey within the midst of just offering it and making it up as I go to student athletes. Um, and one of my other professors at the time was going to a yoga studio in town called Common Ground. She took me to a class with her there and I immediately fell in love. It was just completely different than any type of yoga I had done before where I said it was too boring, too slow, 
not intense, not a workout. All of those things were proven wrong to me when I walked into Common Ground Yoga Studio. I just was able to experience something I never had before, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, whole body wellness was all being hit. And I have personally never experienced that type of sensation until I experienced the type of yoga classes that I have been going to now. Um, So that was kind of just like the light bulb moment for me, like, whoa, this, this type of work is super powerful. Like, this is what I love. This is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, So since then, I've been a member at Common Ground Studio. Um, I continued to implement yoga throughout the rest of my time during the DAT. And then once I began working at St. Mary of the Woods College, where I currently work, I just started talking to all of the coaching staffs about how this is something that I like to do. It started to take off pretty much immediately. Um, when I started here, I'm, this is now the beginning of my fourth year at St. Mary's, but I pretty much immediately started implementing yoga with our two soccer programs. Um, and now I think that I have done it with almost every team on campus. There was a point of time where our men's basketball team was doing just a 15 minute session before each of their practices each day. Um, I'm now doing weekly sessions with both of our volleyball teams. During our preseason camps, we had um, a few different yoga days throughout the week just to kind of break things up, not only for recovery, also for mental health, spiritual health. and just a different type of feeling to offer to these student athletes, to these patients that they're just not used to experiencing this type of wellness and don't realize that it's a type of tool that we can offer as athletic trainers or as healthcare too. It's not just like you have to go to a yoga studio and, and follow this super spiritual journey, but this can be used as healthcare or as treatment type sessions as athletic training. Um, And since then, I also have completed a 200 hour yoga teacher certification. So now I actually can practice what I preach. I'm not just making things up as I go. I have some credentials to back myself up. Um, But yeah, that's kind of my yoga journey in a nutshell. I also, over the summer, I work with um, a baseball team in town, the Terre Haute Rex, and they even began implementing yoga sessions, usually about once or twice a week, but it's just so cool. Especially, I know it shouldn't be like masculine versus feminine energy, but it's just these types of things that you don't necessarily see large groups of men doing and really appreciating and really finding the benefits in it and just making people comfortable to explore their own breath and their own body is such a powerful thing to me. So I know I kind of went off on a tangent, rambled some, but I really love yoga. And I love that I have the opportunity to offer it to the student athletes and the patients that I work with. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that is, that's awesome because you, 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 you're able to explain how you went from an experiment with two, with two patients who, you know, an experiment with two patients, not knowing what you were doing, to gaining interest, not hiding behind, like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you you did it out uh, in public enough in the facility enough for others to see what you were doing to gain interest. And it slowly started to grow. And then you work to formalize it. 
and then you work to to integrate it into your into your daily practice. And I think that's really inspiring. You know, and you've also been able to kind of create a side hustle for yourself yeah. where where you can get your daily workout in lead others in this practice and then also get paid a little bit to, like, to like get the paid. best of all the worlds. Yeah. Right. So I forgot to mention, I now the studio that I was brought to for the first time, I'm now an instructor at that studio as well, which is still like super surreal to me and I can't believe it, but yeah, I'm on the schedule. It's pretty legit. And I'm a real yoga teacher now. <laughs> right, right. You know, I think that's one of the things we, when you, when you get to that point, when you start something new and you kind of cross a, I'll call it a transformation moment. You know, you mentioned you having a light bulb moment, but I think after we've gone through a journey and we're still on a journey, but when you get to this one point, you can look back and say, I guess I'm a real insert whatever, a, a real athletic trainer. I guess I'm a real yoga teacher. I guess I'm a real parent, right? At some point we can, we got to also have that, that moment of reflection that we understand that it's never going to be finished, but we have garnered enough experience and enough experience to, I guess, respect ourselves in this space, because I'm sure that those first patients that you work with respected you because they showed up every day. Um, so they saw you as a, as an expert, or they saw you as someone worthy of respect, but you may, I mean, not saying that you didn't see yourself as someone worthy of respect, but what I'm saying is in the, in the yoga space, you, you felt like you were just making it up. And, you know, at, then through this journey, you got to this point where you're like, wow, I, I can do this. I am this right. And now you've kind of shifted your persona uh, of who you are. Uh, you are a yoga instructor. You are a yogi on a, on a path. Um, and I think that's really cool. And to kind of tie that along to joy, like, obviously I think you can tell that yoga is something that brings me a lot of joy. And as an athletic trainer, I think that it just opens up a whole lot of other doors and how I can bring joy in my daily athletic training practice, because I'm doing something that I love and sharing something that I love. And that is very beneficial with the patients that I'm working with. And I can go like past the boundaries of like for ankle rehab, I don't need to just do like your standard four-way ankle and single leg balance, three sets of 30 seconds. Like now I can open up more opportunities for not only myself, but also the patients that I'm working mm -hmm. with that I can add we can do a fun little yoga balancing sequence for five to 10 minutes. And this is totally changing what traditional rehab looks like, but it's effective mm. and it is keeping the patient interested. It's keeping myself interested and invested. I'm not getting stagnant or bored. Um, so it's just continuing to spread and bring the joy in my own life by being able to offer these types of techniques in my own practice. Mm, that's such a, that's such a good point in, in that, you know, sometimes when we do rehabs and a rehabilitation and we do therapeutic exercise with patients, the patients may not find it stagnant, but perhaps we, as a provider, uh, start to find it stagnant, which probably if I had to infer probably affects our, the quality of our patient care because it's become stagnant. So, you know, I really like how you connected that to not only you know, keeping improving patient adherence and keeping it and mixing it up for patients, but also mixing it up for the athletic trainer and, and keeping it engaged and, and really adding variety into what we do, what we do every day. 
So as we wrap up, uh, first, I want to thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed listening to your story. I really enjoyed listening to your lessons about um, joy and trying new things and growing through experimentation. Like I, I think, I think that's one of the things that um, I wasn't expecting from this conversation, but it's bringing me joy because you you've laid out two really solid examples of how you were willing to take a small risk and take another small risk and take another small risk and keep trying and keep taking small risks over and over and over again uh, to get to this place of where you've been able to create moments of transformation for yourself. And you didn't sit around and wait for transformation to happen. You took small steps. And uh, eventually one of those small steps led to a light bulb moment or led to a transformation moment. And it didn't, and it wasn't any of those single small steps that, that was the transformation. It was the accumulation of, of all of those environments and all of those experimentation that led to that one last moment leading to the transformation. So, or the transformation that you experienced. So I really, I really do appreciate that. And I really appreciate you sharing that with the reframe the game audience and the reframe the game community uh, when you did that in our, in our small group discussion. So the last question that I have for you is what does reframing the athletic training profession mean to you? That's a great question. <laughs> and I think that I kind of touched on it a little bit. I think I kind of have reframed the athletic training profession in my own life very much from when I started as an athletic training student in 2011 to where I'm at now, it, my mindset has completely shifted. Um, but I think for me, it's kind of goes back to the conversation that we had when I was getting ready to um, graduate from the DAT and trying to decide what it was that I wanted. And it's reframing the athletic training profession is to find the things that you value the most, um, that bring you the most joy, and then to seek those things, whatever that means to you. If it's that, if it is valuable for you to have time with your family and to have a work-life balance, find those things that fit that in your life. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of how you reframe the profession. Um, there are some people that really thrive and they really value just being part of the team and, and working sun up to sundown, that's what brings them joy. That's what they value. They should seek out those opportunities. Other people who value, like I said, more of the family time or more of their own personal hobbies, seek out those things. Maybe that's yoga. Maybe that's another type of technique. Maybe you can combine those from your personal life and in your professional life. Um, but to me, again, kind of to sum it up is finding those things that value sticking up for your values and setting boundaries for yourself. Um, I think kind of also is goes back to like the breaking the rules of athletic training that that in a nutshell is what reframing the profession is to me. Um, but in a concise note, it would be to find those things that you value really embody those things and find that in both your professional and your personal life is reframing what athletic training is to me. Thank you so much, Dr. Hamilton. It was a pleasure. And I think that is an 
awesome way to end this episode with, with values and, and connecting and sticking up for and, and embodying your values. So thank you so much for being here today. If you liked this episode, if you enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Hamilton, please make sure you like this episode, you share this episode, you share it with your community, uh, you, you reach out to, to Dr. Hamilton or myself uh, and, and really tell us what, what you enjoyed about it uh, so we can continue to work to bring you valuable information, valuable knowledge, valuable experiences uh, that you can implement into your own life and we, uh, we can work together to reframe the profession of athletic training. MedBridge provides evidence-based courses, unlimited CEUs, home exercise programs featuring 6,000 plus exercises, and so much more. Use promo code THEADVANTAGE, that is T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, to get an annual MedBridge subscription for as low as $225.